Hello and welcome to My Young Career. I'm Edward Juarez, and today I'm sitting with Menden Dornbrook, uh, an IT health consultant. Menden, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, you ready for the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Uh, me too. It'll be a, a good weekend for sure. Menden and I are uh, colleagues, and we have a, uh, a work retreat, so it'll be a fun, fun getaway. Uh, just relax, no work. Uh, just get to hang out with some colleagues and uh, just just relax. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so let, we can just jump straight into it. Uh, so you're an, you're an IT health consultant. Um, I, I I put health in there because I know you're you're in our our healthcare practice. Um, but certainly, there's more to it than maybe just straight health. So I just want to take this time to say, okay, Menden, what is uh, an IT health consultant? Yeah, um, I'll take a moment to correct that a little bit. I think of myself primarily as a healthcare consultant. Um, the my primary function has been in my career to work in healthcare IT. So, you know, if I look at about 60, 70% of those engagements, you know, I'm doing some sort of project work where we're uh, gathering requirements, we're doing a system selection, we're doing the implementation. Um, and often I find myself either in the client lead role or some sort of project management role. Uh, sometimes we get to do more interesting things where we go in and we help a business realign its the way that it operates effectively, right? So, you know, you might look at how do you reimburse your physicians? Um, if you look at something like an academic medical center, they're going to have a couple of different models that they use, and they have a variety of different missions that they're pursuing in their work. Uh, and when they pursue, when they want to reimburse a physician, they understand that sort of on a long-term scale, the way that you pay people is uh, also how you get work out of them, right? In a short-term, uh, short time frame, you know, somebody who's really passionate or excited about something can walk that path, but if they're not reimbursed or, or progressing in their career for doing those things, then you're gonna see those behaviors fall off. So when you're at that management level, um, you're not just thinking about the business outside, you know, bringing people in, dri- driving revenue, although that's often a big portion of it, but you also find yourself thinking about, you know, how do we keep our workforce happy, healthy, interested, and certainly in uh, any white collar type of work environment Having a motivated, mission-driven, purposeful workforce is particularly important because otherwise you see a lot of turnover as people go and try and find those organizations. They're out there. They're available. You can find them. You can go work in them. Um, Slalom is one of them, right? And your good talent will leave if, if you're not accommodating that. So there are other items in there where we can come in and we can help people think about reorganizing um, their operations. You know, that doesn't really involve IT necessarily, unless you're in the IT organization helping them do some sort of uh, uh, process improvement or cost reduction. Um, those are really the the three sort of big areas that we end up finding ourselves in. Right. Uh, so, so definitely, I think high level, um, I think a lot of information across the board. So I think maybe some uh, immediate thoughts is like, hey, if I wanted to be an IT uh, healthcare consultant, like, do you have to have years of of non uh, healthcare experience to then be a consultant. Um, I don't know. Maybe you could elaborate on some yeah. of that. So there are there you can carve up healthcare operations into two different buckets, right? There is one bucket that is you're good at something, and healthcare has to do that function, 
uh, and you can come in and you can consult for or, or work for a healthcare company on those grounds alone. So I think um, looking at some of our colleagues who are very talented in IT infrastructure space, they've come into healthcare and they just understand how uh, IT infrastructure works. And they come in, they talk about servers, they talk about network, right? And they're, they talk about you know changing the entire um, you know, process design so that you get better outcomes for less cost. Uh, you don't need to know a whole lot about healthcare in order to be good at that. There are other categories of consulting within that healthcare space or where you're working with a healthcare client where you do need to understand what those regulations are and you need to know what those impacts are. I think the further away that you get from the physical technology uh, and the closer you get to the business processes, the more you need to understand and have a deep understanding of really the environment that you exist in. Since healthcare delivery, right? So, and when I say healthcare delivery, I mean like literally walking into a doctor's office and being seen by a doctor, getting a prescription or you know, having a bone set or surgery or something like that. Th those involve huge risks for the patient whenever they come into contact with a doctor. It's entirely possible that a bad care experience will injure a patient. Right. Uh, so the closer you get to that function in healthcare, the more you have to know because the more highly regulated, watched, and cared about it is. Uh, additionally, you know, I think healthcare data is in that same space as well. Um, and you see that actually out in the open market. Uh, somebody's health information record will sell for substantially more than credit card information or even other personally identifying information, including social security numbers. Um, and part of that is there's so much sensitive data and it's so rich in the healthcare record that, again, people are exposed to additional risk if there is a lack of care around that area. So, you know, if you want to focus on something specific in your career uh, in consulting and it's not healthcare, you can still work in a healthcare environment. It just needs to make you need to make sure that either you educate yourself about the relevant healthcare regulations before you show up and start talking to healthcare folks, because if you don't know their jargon and you don't know their regulation, they're going to walk you at the door. Um, and if it doesn't, if those things don't matter, you don't need to worry about it. Right. Um, uh, so excellent information. And um, for anyone that, that may be listening, uh, it might be worth, I think, maybe taking a, a step back in terms of, hey, when we throw out the word um, IT, um, that may be a, a blanket uh, general term that, that people here are throwing around. I think in a classic term, when people uh, hear IT, I know they've said, oh, like you, you fix computers? <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe if you want to rewind, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, like, hey, well, I, I don't know if you even go that far back with computers in terms of like, hey, my computer's not working or email's not coming up fine. Um, I think, you know, IT's growing from, hey, it's not just someone coming by and fix your, your computer. Um, IT, and especially like IT infrastructure is, um, much more complex in that it's all of the the back end systems that is you know supporting that business. So in the case you mentioned for healthcare, right? If you think about your your patient experience, or like you mentioned, engaging with your doctor, right? There's there's a lot of uh, uh, data behind um, right when you when you go to register at, at the doctor's office, right? You fill out a form, um, you know, what's your medical history. Um, all that will um, eventually translate to some kind of um, electronic, you know, medical uh, health record. Um, and those are things that, that doctors or your physicians are eventually going to view. 
Um, so that's information that that needs to be presented to them in a you know a meaningful and accurate way. Um, and then as part of that, there's a lot more behind the scenes in terms of hey, yep, they do have you know an email management system, but they also have a lot of people on the back end that's making sure right all of their their medical systems uh, are online as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think you can look at. IT in any organization similarly, right? Healthcare isn't any different. I think of it, there's actually a stack. And when I say a stack, you can think of it as literally things that sit on top of each other or metaphorically sit on top of each other, right? Um, You start with all of the the servers that you own, if you have anything that you own or any servers that you rent, right? Um, And then you're going to build up middleware and connective tissue there in your network around that. Um, and then sort of wrapping around that, you're going to have any sort of security that you add onto that. And that's all of just your, what I would think of as infrastructure and, and physical devices, right? Um, and, and really also in that security layer on the outside, sort of embedded in there are all of those peripherals, like a laptop that somebody's carrying around or an iPad that a doctor or a nurse brings into a room. Um, and that's just the physical component. And then you stuff all of those things full of software that are going to be driving or tracking services that you're you're delivering. So, um, you know, there are definitely people who work in IT who are responsible for going and like crawling in under desks and fixing computers. Um, you know, you're not going to find those folks uh, in in a consultancy, right? In a professional organization like that, you know, that's going to be contract labor. You're going to see a much lower wage for that. Um, and part of that's because it it's pretty much plug and play these days, you know, Right. Sometimes people are actually splicing their own network cables, but if they are, they're just doing that because it's fun and not because it's actually just cheaper to buy it pre-made. Right. Um, so, so, so all all good stuff there. So we got a little bit of background, sort of you know, IT healthcare, a little bit about IT. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about your your journey, Menden, in terms of. Like, hey, where where you're at now? Was this always, you know, your destined path? Like, mm-hmm. hey, when I grow up, I want to be an IT, you know, healthcare consultant, um, or was a journey a bit more more varied for that? So we can, uh, you know, start as far back as you want, yeah. and then just take us through through that journey until, you know, where where did you, you know, essentially start your career or think you wanted to start or end up, and uh, how you got here today. Yeah, let's. We should go back to probably when I was fourteen, and and the reason we should go back to uh, when I was fourteen is I have an axe to grind with my fourteen-year-old self, which okay. was I had no idea what I wanted to do, um, and I think the the biggest challenge in life is figuring out really what you want to do. Absolutely. So if I look at at consulting as a broad spectrum of of services that you can go and buy. Um, Nobody's going to disagree with me, I think, that there are sort of three or four firms up at the top of consulting that are the prestige consultancies, right? And that's where you get to go and do some of the most challenging work, but also some of the more interesting and also prestige I don't know how, and I don't have another good adjective for it. Right. Um, so stuff that, stuff, work. stuff that may end up in the news. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, and may end up in the news negatively if you really foul it up or you do something particularly wrong. I think uh, McKinsey is in real trouble over some stuff that they've been doing in South Africa in the last couple of years. Um, and they're trying to figure that out. They took way too long to react to that. And they're under a lot of criticism for that. So anyway, those three firms, McKinsey, 
Bain, Boston Consulting. If you want to go to those three firms, you need to go to a target college um, and you need to be focused on consulting. You need to be finding network, you know, finding and building a network. It's best to probably be uh, related to or know somebody directly who already works for those those companies. But they're hiring out of a specific um, pipeline of target schools. So, you know, if, if somebody's interested in high profile consulting that's listening to this and they heard, oh, hey, I want to work for Bain or I want to work for McKinsey like the, and they're 14. Now is the time. <laughs> now is the time to go and figure out, you know, which schools they they hire from and what degree programs they hire from and then spend the next four years working very hard to get into those schools because they're usually going to be prestigious. They're probably elite. They're probably expensive schools. Um, but you know, there's a pathway for people who who know at 14 what they want to do, right? Um, but I would say the, the most common interaction that I have with people at 14 years of age or not aside is when I say that I'm a consultant, they say, what's that, right? right. So uh, I think that even in my first few years working as a consultant, I struggled to articulate really the value proposition of consultants, which is there, there are a couple of them, right? One of them is that consultants bring experience from outside of an organization. And, and the value of that is they can sometimes deliver bad news that everybody already knows, but nobody wants to be the person to say. I think if you're listening, you're like, that sounds like an absolutely insane <laughs> scenario. Why would people not want to give, you know, tell bad news and fix it? And it's, complex, right? But there are real political reasons for it. Uh, yeah. Yep. There are other reasons that you might want to bring them in is, you know, you don't have the manpower in the short period of time, um, or you don't have the the proper experience in the short period of time. So, um, you know, if you look at just the dollars and cents of hiring somebody who really knows very well how to do a specific thing, but you actually only need them for about nine months at a time or six months at a time, um, it doesn't doesn't make sense to hire them as a full-time employee and pay that really high rate and then have them idle a bunch. And actually, if people are idle, they're going to leave, right? Even if you pay them well. So um, it, it works very well to have people who are good in those types of scenarios go and, and basically open up their own consultancy or work for a consultancy and sell their services on a rolling basis like that. Um, I can think of actually just in one of our last engagements where we had some folks who were very talented in setting up cloud instances, um, you know, but it doesn't take a lot of time necessarily to set up a cloud instance for even a large organization because the technology itself is by nature elastic and scalable. Um, so, you know, you set it up and then they're up. Well, what are you gonna do? Well, we're gonna go set somebody else up, right? Maybe you call us back, you know, in six or nine months when you have some more systems that you wanna roll, you know, move from on-prem to the cloud, those types of things. So uh, th that's really the value proposition there of, of consultants. So if that's something that you're interested in is sometimes going into politically contentious uh, corporate environments to try and fix things, um, there you can become an accountant and go and do forensic accounting uh, and there will be covenants between you know, lenders and an organization. Sometimes those will get triggered. Um, you know, the, the lay term for that is uh, you know, basically uh, company is in violation of a lender's agreement to them, and then the lender gets to dictate sort of terms to them what they're going to do to turn that around. Right. So you can get into turnaround consulting. Um, I think Bain is actually pretty deep in that. There are other consultancies though that are smaller that also specialize in turnaround consulting. So those are just some areas where you can pursue that. Um, 
you know, if you, that's, that's for the person who's like, Hey, I want to go into consulting. I already have a pretty good <laughs> right? idea. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you don't, my story is a great one for that, which is, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I took a year off, uh, before I went to college for in between high school, right? A gap year, um, and sort of faffed about, if you will, like I was doing stuff, but it wasn't relevant to my career really. Um, I came back, I got a degree in psychology. I went, I actually worked in social work for a little bit. Um, and really the, the impetus for me was there was a day I was just sitting in the office and I was actually creating physical paper, medical records, handwriting them. And I was like, this is, this is dumb. Yeah. This, this can't be right. But not even like, uh... not even like we need to fix this, but it was just, this is dumb. Like I am, I'm wasting my time. I'm smarter than this. Right. Um, and you know that might be an, an ego play, but it really was an issue. It was right. I, you know, I was I was doing work that was purposeful. It was impactful for people's life. About sixty percent of my day, the other forty percent, I was writing on paper. Um, and but I was I was paid very poorly, and I was tired of being poor and tired of not being in work that was engaging me intellectually. Uh, and consulting is very much an open, ambiguous field full of problem solving. Um, you know, especially when you're in that management side, a little bit less, I think, in, you know, IT areas, are you actually doing that creative problem solving unless you go and become a developer, in which case you want to see another podcast? Yeah. So uh, one thing I want to uh, take take a quick pause on. So, mm-hmm. so um, right, you had your, your gap year, um, decided to go to college. Um, when you chose psychology as a major, was that mm-hmm. something that you picked uh, straight on as a freshman and just completed it through? Um, Or uh, just tell me a little bit about that that journey. Was that as easy as that? Did you have a goal like, hey, I I want this psychology degree and, you know, this is what I do. I would assume you didn't tell yourself, hey, I want to write, you know, Mm -hmm. medical records. I'm not sure if there was, just just get some insight on that. Medical records. Yeah, no, I was actually considering uh, medicine. Um, This is actually uh, probably an important component here of this story. I was considering medicine. So I was doing psychology as a pre-med. But I was also uh, particularly interested in interpersonal trauma, right? So um, basically violent crimes um, uh, and and how people recover from that and helping people recover from that. So I was in a research lab in my psych program that I was just found really fascinating and really interesting. Um, I became a victim advocate while I was in, in school. Um, and... I was going down that pathway. I was starting to get deep into like the statistics uh, in in psych research, um, and then I started taking some courses actually outside of uh, stats in psychology. I took some just regular statistics classes. I took some really cool like sampling theory classes. Um, and actually, it was in that sampling theory class where I ran into this notion of decision sciences as a major, even I think uh, Miami University, which is my undergraduate alma mater, was piloting decision sciences pretty early on. And so it was only a four or five year old degree program that I when I went through school, um, I sort of dismissed it because I was like, I know what my path is, it's right, gonna be right. medicine, uh, maybe psychiatry, maybe psychology, I'm gonna go in this trauma area, I'm gonna do a bunch of research over here. Um, and but it was an interesting course. They had somebody come in who had done an internship at Deloitte, came back and they said, hey, we use this sampling theory class that we took from, that you guys are taking right now as a way to basically refine confidence intervals on 
um, large data sets that we're submitting to the IRS. And basically, you know, uh, for what was it for expenses? I think it was for Deloitte internal expenses. They're having difficulty tracking 100% of their receipts. And so what they did was they said, hey, IRS, if we show you that we can do some rigorous sampling, um, will you basically allow us to claim a, uh, a number based on our own analysis for expenses rather than have us prove to you line item that all of our receipts are true expenses? You know, and that's important because then you can take those as OPEX off of uh, you know, any of your margins, right? And that reduces the amount of taxes that Deloitte had to pay that year. And the IRS came back and said, yes, you know, uh, go do the work, come back, prove it to us, and, and we'll accept that number from you. Um, and they used the sampling theory class that I happen to be in as the basis for narrowing their confidence interval because the IRS was requiring that they had a specifically narrow um, uh, confidence interval. And so they used that to actually inform what their sampling methodology would be. And they, they saved Deloitte a massive amount of money because uh, now you don't have to have all of your bean counters counting up every single receipt. Right. right. Yeah. Um, Which is a lot. I mean, the IRS takes in, yeah. you know, so much information Correct. that they're, they're literally burdened by, by that data mm-hmm. and what they get through. And well, and your and accountants are as well. So it seems like, Oh, it should be simple. You know, you've got all of your consultants entering their expenses into a system and they're getting approved or they're not getting approved and you should have a date based on that. But if the IRS wants to go and audit those, you're gonna find that you've got you know, expenses that aren't valid that you can't actually uh, reimburse for. You've got expenses that are out of period because you know, a consultant waited six months before they reported something. And then they said, you know, in order to get it reimbursed, they put this year instead of last year on it. So all of those things happen. Um, it's messier than it looks like on the, on the surface. So. Right. That was my first brush with consulting, actually. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I could potentially go and work for Deloitte, clearly, because I'm taking the classes that, um, you know, people who go and work for Deloitte are taking. Right. But I didn't really give it another thought um, until about three years into my career after I left my undergraduate program, where, where, you know, I was earning not enough money or not a lot of money, and um, I was bored. And I was like, well, I have all of these, all of the prereqs from med school. I think I had a couple at the end of my, um, when I graduated that I still needed to fill. And I did those after I, I graduated. So I was pretty much ready to go to med school. And then I sat down in an afternoon. I spent two hours sort of doing some research online and looking. And I really did a, what, what is now a, for me, a bare bones cost benefit analysis, right? right? If, if I look back on that, I'm chuckling <laughs> a little bit at, you know, some of the, the assumption errors that I made in it. But overall, the analysis still holds water. And what I came, the conclusion that I came to was, you know, you've got probably your 30s are going to suck if you go the route of being a doctor, right? The amount of debt that doctors have to take on today is just so enormous. Yeah, it's you, insane. Yeah, you're, you're paying you're paying that back for life, essentially. Yeah, I mean, you've got a good decade of hard work before you're making good money as a physician uh, and and you can pay down enough of the debt in order to have the interest, not just servicing the interest on the loan, not be an onerous expense itself. And if you don't even include the risk that you won't finish med school, because it is a challenging effort, yeah. right? And I'm, th- th- I'm sure there's a percentage every year of people who right, aren't, iron, yeah. aren't making that that final yeah. leap, right? And I've worked with some of those people. Yeah. The debt is crushing because you can't go and say, 
I have three years of med school, pay me lots of money. People are like, you didn't finish. Right. Why would I pay you anything? And then you got a residency on top of that. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And it's, it really is. It's about a decade between starting med school and getting to a point where you're considered a, you know, a capable enough doctor that people are going to pay you that really, you know, nice six figure salary. Right. Um, and if you go into pediatrics, it's not that nice of a six figure salary. It's still a six figure salary. And I think, you know, if we look at like median income household for Phoenix, it's, you know, $55,000 these days. So six figures is still good. But if you have a quarter of a million dollar debt, six figures is a lot less good. Right. Um, so I was looking at that and I was like, wow, I'm not going to get to enjoy my 30s very much if I go this route. Uh, and then I looked at, you know, getting an MBA um, and what their, I actually didn't even look at consulting in the at cost benefit analysis, just mm -hmm. what the, what their average salary coming out of the MBA program was. Um, and it was a lot lower, but it was two years, a lot lower cost um, than, than med school. And you're, you're earning that immediately. It was just like looking at that. I was like, wow, I can go from being poor to being, you know, solidly middle-class, maybe upper middle-class, depending on your, your definition. Um, overnight through this MBA program effectively. So I realized I needed to make a big change in my life. And so I did have to go back to school. I went full time to an MBA program. Um, and that was actually my pathway into consulting was landing interviews with consulting firms and ultimately selecting one. And, uh, you know, it's been six years now. Right on. That, that's that's quite the path. Uh, I, I mean, if we went, rewind all the way back to uh, being 14, I, I wish a consultant would have talked to you and introduced the, the word of Bane. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, but, but, but that's an awesome journey. I, I mean, I think that goes to show, right? I mean, um, certainly think, think, even thinking about a career at, at 14, I think is um, certainly right, a, a good aspect to have. I'm I mean, I try to think back when I was 14, um, you know, I probably wasn't even thinking about a job. I was probably just trying to get home and watch some some cartoons or, or play some games after yeah. work. I was thinking, how do I <laughs> how do I go play some magic? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but it's, it's cool to, to, to see that journey. Right. I mean, you walk through where, hey, after you graduated high school, sort of took a year off, you know, the, the, the classic, you know, gap year, if you will, where that's kind of just. Hey, you know, do, do with it, you know, whatever you will, um, you know, going to college, have an idea of, you know, what you want it to be, um, you know, having that idea of, of getting some exposure in terms of like, hey, like if I were to go down a, a medical career path, really having that um, that time to take some some of that insight into, hey, like what would your future uh, potentially look like? And is that something still is that still a desirable um, path, even if you were to reach that mm -hmm. outcome, because certainly, right, if you're, you know, you have to go to medical school and right, your your thirties is pretty much spent right doing a, a residency or, or you know, accruing more debt. Mm -hmm. Or um, I mean, if so, if, if I'd gone straight to med school out of undergrad, you know, I could have been early thirties clearing that. And I think it should be, it's worth saying, I don't condemn anyone going down that path. Right, right, yeah. That, that it's actually a viable one. Even even when I started considering it, I was 25, 26, um, you know, the lifetime earnings, uh, so a saying that earnings are the most important thing, right? Lifetime earnings for a physician, uh, my expectation was still greater there than it was in consulting, but I decided to trade that to enjoy my 30s. Yeah, right? and yeah, have a more and I, I, yeah, exactly. So, so it was part of that where I, where I was trying to 
um, sort of t touch on that point. Is, and we don't need to unpack whether or not money <laughs> is actually the benchmark by which you win. I don't think it is. Yeah, but, yeah. but, but um, I mean, it's certainly money, certainly, certainly a factor in, in what you pick in life, but it's also being able to understand whether, right, the, the path to get there is something that, um, not, set, not necessarily what's wrong or right, but is that something you're willing to, to live with mm -hmm. um, or go through? Not that it's a, a bad or a good thing, it's just, that is what the path will be. Right. Um, certainly, there's people out there who would say, and, and there are, that it's absolutely worth it because in the end, um, they'll be impacting lives and, and that's worth it. Mm -hmm. um, even if they have to take on an equal, you know, six-figure amounts of debt to get there. Um, certainly, there's, you know, other people out there who, um, that I know of like, hey, I don't want to take on any debt whatsoever and I'm just going to go, you know, straight, straight into a trade. But I think it was cool to hear, hear that path that you were going through, right? You sort of um, got a little little taste of work, um, uh, I guess, after your your psychology degree, and then right going through that evaluation, um, having that that interaction with, hey, there, this is a consulting firm, right? What's what's a consulting firm? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then that sort of setting your path onto getting that MBA, and then eventually, right, getting into uh, consulting and um, still maintaining that that health background right so that that first touch being um you know psychology medical records and now uh you know all the way on the the forefront if you will in terms of helping uh these healthcare companies succeed from uh you know an it perspective mm -hmm. um and usually like when, when it comes to trying to explain that i usually say something exactly like that like you could say hey like what do you think about a doctor's office like what is their their product it's to make you healthy for to, to, to keep things as simple as possible, um, but they certainly need a lot of support in the back end that, right, a doctor isn't, you know, going to know how to set up that IT infrastructure or how to create, you know, medical records to manage their patients. Um, that's what they're going to leave up to the consultants or their IT um, infrastructure to build so that the doctor, right, can focus on their job serving patients. Mm -hmm. um, but awesome, awesome journey. Um any any last words before we uh, before we end today? No okay. pressure. What's the, what? Yeah. What's the big? <laughs> what, what's the big any takeaway? Take uh, it's just uh, think, whatever you know, is on your mind. I fell into healthcare consulting. Um, it's it's not really a big issue. You know, this isn't necessarily something that people I think are going to desire to go into, uh, but as people walk their path, they're going to find something that they're good at, that they like, that they know, and where people will pay them for that. Um, and certainly if I went back 10 years ago and asked that, that Menden, if this is where I would be in 10 years, I had no real ability to conceive that this was something that, that was real. So if there's somebody out there that, you know, you've got a young listener actually listening to this, thinking about their career, thinking about that trajectory, um, you know, there's probably actually professions way better than consulting for them to be going in that they're already <laughs> thinking about that and they're not, you know, going to go play magic or play video games or whatever. Right. There you go. So the, the conversation uh, doesn't end here. Uh, you can certainly reach out to uh, my young career on Twitter at my young career. Um, if you have any questions or follow ups, we can certainly um, take that conversation there um, as well as on anchor. I believe you can leave uh, uh, voice comments as well. Um, and if you have any comments, questions, let us know and we'll get back to you. That's uh, my young career. Menden, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks, Ed. Bye.